What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This Haber Middle Middlecoff segment is brought to you by upstart.com slash ham and mybookie.ag promo code ham1 and ease and easewellness.com promo code ham. And here's our conversation now with 49ers great Brent Jones, courtesy of KNBR. By the way, uh, you know, Matt Mayoko was on with us earlier. He wanted us to mention, we're happy to pass this along. Coming up on January 16th at 7.30, a special star-studded evening at uh, the Lesher Center for the Arts, presented by Diablo Regional Arts Association. A look back on the legacy of the catch and the Niners in the Bay Area. Steve Young, Brent Jones, Eric Wright, Dwight Hicks, and a panel moderated by Matt Mayoko. That's uh, January 16th at 7.30. Guy Haberman and John Middlecoff in for a Tolbert Kruger and Brooks, and it's great to have, as he is every week with the guys, the great Brent Jones. Hello, Brent. Fellas, man, it's great to have some depth of football knowledge on the show uh, with you guys. And so it's, uh, I love getting into it, but you, you mentioned the Dwight Clark uh, night uh, in at the Lesher Center in Walnut Creek, and it's January 16th. And I don't know if we've ever done anything like this before, kind of at a big venue uh, event place and it's going to be pretty special just sharing memories about Dwight uh, the impact that he had on the 49ers dynasty with the catch and also just that unbreakable bond he had with the fans and so we're going to have a couple of guys that were there from the get-go of his career Dwight Hicks and Eric Wright and then I'm going to be there with uh, Steve Young as well. And, and Matt Mayoko just wrote this unbelievable book about letters to 87 and, and put it together with Dwight's knowledge and insight just about fans sharing their stories about where they were with the catch and all and, and the impact that that had on their life. And so it's going to be a very, very special night. And uh, I'm sure we'll get into this season's team as well, how this current team is carrying that torch that Dwight lit almost 40 years ago. So pretty darn special deal and uh, thrilled to be a part of it. I was a Walnut Creek resident. I might have to see if Mayoko can hook it up with some tickets and swing by. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> How you talking? That's, that's the way to go, guys. But, but, sorry, go Brent. Ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. If you... 
I just I'm, I'm flabbergasted after watching that game. I mean, it was just I thought the Saints game was going to be the best regular season Niner game I saw, and I was expecting a good game, but <laughs> when they completed that last pass, when Russell Wilson threw that ball, I thought that's a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, the the fact that Greenlaw made that tackle and, and something that I hadn't heard. I don't know if I heard it on the broadcast or if I heard it after the game because I was in a state of euphoria. Uh, but the defensive players are taught at the goal line to tackle high, and it makes sense to me because obviously if you tackle low, the guy's forward momentum is going to—he's going to fall into the end zone, and so is the ball. And so to tackle high, you keep the shoulder, the arm, the upper body out of out of the end zone if you get a big enough hit. And you talk about a hit an all-time hit. I mean, that was that was just something by a young player like that. And, I, I mean, everyone's going to be talking about that, but Greenlaw was all over the field. He had twice as many tackles uh, yesterday as anybody else on the team. And I'm my jaw was open. I could not believe that tackle, that play, that the Seahawks ended it in short of the division title and, and – I mean, I hate to say it, but I kind of feel like that game meant everything for both of those teams. I agree. I mean, I think the separating factor for this team start to finish on both sides of the ball has been the physical nature. Obviously, defensively early on in the season, they were just dominant. But just offensively with Kittle killing people, use check opening up holes, all the running backs running hard, and then the defense, I mean, it – they deserve to be the one seed. It feels like the right team. Obviously, we're a little biased here, but the right team is the number one seed right now. You know what, Guy and John, I absolutely agree. And, and it's funny because I think back to those 49ers Seahawks battles six, seven years ago, and the difference in those games were the Seahawks controlled us physically. And I remember coming away from those games going, man, they just took it to us physically. That defense was physical, line of scrimmage. Their guys pounded our guys. Our receivers took shots, and the the shoe was on the other foot this year, and and that was great. I just remember thinking after the first half, we've got these guys, and man, I have to say, and I, I I'd love to go back and look at the all twenty two because unless you, you unless you see the all twenty two, you don't know what's really going on. But to be up two scores in the last six minutes, I thought this we got this. And, and the fact that the Seahawks scored, we went three and out, and they got the good ball back and came within an inch of beating us, I was just frustrated as heck. It felt like we took the pressure off, and I, I knew, knew that we were running some, some nice stunts and a few blitzes up until that point, and then it seemed like we all of a sudden called off the dogs. And, and like I said, I, I mean, I was so caught up in the emotion. I can't say specifically, but all of a sudden they, they were – getting the ball down the field, big plays here, big plays there. And it was just, man, that was hard to watch. I, I think, uh, look, John Harbaugh in all likelihood will be the coach of the year this year in the NFL, which is totally fine. John and I were talking about it earlier, Brent. I mean, ultimately, you've got a handful of 13-3 to three teams. Two of them are one seeds. One of them beat the other one in the regular season. So fine. That's If that's how it is, that's how it is. I do think Kyle is every bit the coach of the year in the NFL, though, just because he calls plays. They've played in so many big games where it has been uh, required that he nail multiple big play calls or else they lose, and he's done it every time, almost every time. Um, He, to me, has been the biggest difference maker. I mean, Belichick is like in a whole world by himself. 
But Kyle's been the biggest difference maker in terms of a head coach in large part because of all of that. What, when you watch him call plays, impresses you the most about it? Well, first, let me go back to your your comments. You guys are being very gracious with the John Harbaugh, and I know that John's a heck of a guy and he's a heck of a coach. And any other year, yeah, I'd give it to him. But but I'm calling BS on on that whole coach of the year thing because after last year's 49er season, if Kyle Shanahan's not coach of the year, there's people that don't know football that aren't paying attention and that don't understand the game. Because I, I love Lamar Jackson and he's done a great job and he's going to get his just desserts he's going to obviously be the mvp uh but that doesn't make the coach the coach of the year i don't think he coached any of lamar's skills on the other hand i think kyle's done a remarkable job with fit finish uh substitutions putting guys in positions to win um many many young players rookies making an impact uh throughout the season and for me that's all coaching. And I, and I think, you know, when Kyle starts to feel his oats as a coach, he just starts dialing up plays. We saw Debo Samuel score on, on a, a run yesterday. We've got guys doing different routes. We've got, you know, lots of different unique nuances to play calling that I think Kyle has a great command of. And so he understands putting his players in position to be successful and Jimmy Garoppolo to go ahead and deliver the ball offensively. And then defensively, I'm, I'm sure Kyle, like most head coaches other than Belichick, like he's probably not messing around with the defense, but uh, to have Robert Sala there and, and what he's done this year uh, has been impressive. And so I just, it's shocking to me that Kyle Shanahan is not the the leader in the clubhouse just with the way that this season's gone. It's been impressive, and obviously I'm biased, but uh, I, I just am so impressed with the things that he does, whether it's motion, whether it's matchups, whether it's you know getting his fullback one-on-one with a guy or figuring out a way to move Kittle to get him singled up instead of bracketed. It's just it's it's the little things that make such a huge difference, and he's done it. We've had a few injuries, all those things together, just impress the heck out of me. And it's it's been fun, and and you guys can tell it's uh, I'm excited because it's been fun to watch this team come together. And John Lynch and Kyle, uh, obviously I know them both, um, but I'm not I'm not I'm certainly not on the payroll. But it's been fun as a former player and as a fan to watch these guys do what they do. Well, for me, you were the George Kittle of my youth, and uh, yeah. <laughs> you know anyone born in the that's 80s, a high compliment. Well, anyone that born that's in the eighties yeah. growing up, you know, it's probably more Jerry, but you know, you can play the same position of him. But uh, in all seriousness, when you watch George Kittle, when, when I was growing up, every time you guys stepped on the field, either Jerry or Steve, more than likely, was going to be the best player on the field. And one thing you've seen this year is every time the 49ers step on the field, if eighty fives padded up, he's the best freaking player on the field. You know. I mean, it, last night it was him and Russ. We're just in a different world than everyone else. It's just, it, I mean, pre- how good is this guy? It's pretty remarkable that he lasted that late in the draft, and obviously he's been uh, a little bit of a late developer. You know, his first couple of years, he's banged up. He's learning the NFL way. Um, but there's a couple things that he brings. And one is th- his speed separates him right away. But his and he's a 4-5 guy all day long. Um, but he's getting more nuanced and perfected with his route running, which helps so much when you're fast already. But the thing that really separates him from every other tight end in the league right now 
is his acceleration. In his third step, maybe his fourth step, he's at 100%. And I don't know how many times this year guys have zeroed in on them safeties or DBs, and all of a sudden he's going right by him. It's because he's at a, he's at 100%. I don't know how he does it, but it's so darn explosive. And it's that has really separated him. So he, the yards after the catch, a lot of it's speed, a lot of it's want to. He's got great heart. He's very physical, but he's more. He's a lanky guy. He's six six. He's pretty lean. Like you look at him, you're like, that, that guy's big, but he's not. He doesn't have Earl Campbell legs. He's not running yeah. over guys. And darn if he isn't running over guys. And he just he's great with angles, and he understands where people are on the field. And he's just, I mean. If, if Kittle's not going crazy on the sideline, then something's wrong. If we don't have Kittle emotion, <laughs> we're in trouble. Well, I, I mean, remember the it, him in the pre, him in the uh, in the luxury box against the Seahawks the first time was uh, looked like torture for him. Well, they start calling him oh. Jerry Jones because they showed him so much on the <laughs> yeah. on the, the jumbo <laughs> drop. <laughs> did, did Mike? So did, yeah. Did Mike Shanahan ever call end arounds for you like they do for George? No. I And, you know, the funny thing is I begged. My generation was just the coming out of the tight end position as a receiver. And I used to just rant and rave to anybody that would listen that that was really our great. That's one of our greatest mismatches. I mean, the game's become now all about matchups. And I don't know that back then it was as well understood, but I mean, the game's changed as well because, you know, those were days where you didn't get a free release off the line. Linebackers held you all the way down the field. There was no such thing as holding or pass interference against a linebacker on a tight end. It just wasn't part of the drill. And so it was a little bit different deal. Uh, but, man, I got to tell you, it's just he's just a fun guy to watch, and certainly he's the heartbeat of the team. And just to have him out there, it, it's fun. I got a chance to meet him last year, and he's just a great kid. And we've got so many. You guys can tell this, and, and I told this early on in the season, you can tell these guys love being around each other. Not every team is like that. Some teams have too many egos. Some teams have, hey, I'm in it for myself or my contract. And you can tell these guys all support each other. It's probably because they've been at the bottom of the barrel together, a lot of them, other than the rookies. A lot of these guys have not seen the light of day from the last couple years. And now to have all this talent flourish and the opportunity to unleash Kyle Shanahan as play calling and a, and a healthy Jimmy G, I mean, it's it's a completely different mindset, and that's it's a fun thing to watch because you don't see it every year. Is that yeah? Is that something that um, that is just going to always be kind of a snapshot in time when your team is at this point where they're a little better than maybe the world thought they would be, or can can that if the if you have the right player leadership, coach leadership, just be a characteristic of an organization? You know that is a heck of a question. I think in this day in free agency and contracts and guys getting paid and this, that, and the other thing. I think every year is a snapshot in time. And while I think the future is bright for the next couple of years with this team, it's not going to stay that way. And so you have to take advantage of it when you have the opportunity and taking advantage of it is winning the Super Bowl. And right now with home field advantage, you know, odds are we should be the team. So people have to come through us, through the Bay Area, through the Niners to get there. And so you just can't relax now. You have to, you know, 
cross the T's, dot the I's, extra film work, extra time in the training room. Everybody needs to be as healthy as they can get, and everybody has to bring their A game, mm-hmm. coaches included. And that's and that's every bit the part of a successful run in the playoffs. And you just never know if you're going to get back and get there again. Because I promise you guys – that last year's Super Bowl Rams team thought that they'd be going to the Super Bowl for the next four or five years, and they're not even in the playoffs. You have a unique perspective because when you came to the Niners, they were kind of like a Patriot-type team, right? They'd already won a couple Super Bowls. They were really good. This team, one parallel we've used, and I just, just Google and research, and, I mean, Walsh in his third year went 13-3, and got the one seed. The catch happened a couple weeks later. Then they won the Super Bowl. But that was a team that I don't think coming into the season, we were talking to Mark Abanez about it. Like People did thought they might be better, but it just kind of happened. Kind of like we thought the Niners would be competitive this year if Jimmy could stay healthy, maybe like a six seed, and then boom, they're like best team in the league. And now, like you say, you just never know. you got to go all in because this might change it all. And they have a special chemistry with the group. Do you think it's e- almost easier in the sense that despite them being the one seed, they're not really viewed as like, some consistent powerhouse or anything. They've kind of snuck up on people in a way. Yeah, I think it's great right now. And, and they're they're probably the most underappreciated one seed in a long time. And people still, I think, shake their head and just and go, oh, 49ers, you know. Hey, yeah, they're the one seed. But, you know, people don't give Jimmy G enough respect and what he's done this year. And I know the first month of the season, maybe he wasn't playing it, it pre, at a premier pace. But he still is coming back off an ACL, still getting comfortable, still getting, uh, you know, comfortable with just his mechanics. But, you know, the second half of the season, he's been a different player. And that's and that's so significant. I think people are starting to wake up to that fact. A lot of people don't really know who George Kittle is. Oh, that guy, he's, he's always signaling first down and bouncing around. Now people are starting to understand. You know, people don't appreciate this defense. You know, we've gotten a lot of pressure on people the first half of the season. That was a big story. And then... You know, we had a few key injuries. You know, you we're missing Alexander, missing D Ford, and you know, the 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 dynamics aren't exactly the same. I thought the guys brought a lot more pressure yesterday, maybe not consistent consistently throughout the game, but I think we're gonna see guys rested up and ready to go for the playoffs and that's gonna be a differentiator. So people don't really know. There's yeah. not a there's not an Antonio Brown type of player on this team, right? There's not a Tom Brady or there's not a, a Drew Brees where everybody points to and they go, oh, well, Niners, you know, who's, who do you know? Sure, Sherman would be the guy, but he, but that's based on what he did in Seattle, not here, right? That's true. He's, he's actually had a heck of a year. Yeah, he has. If you look at it, I mean, <laughs> that old dog could still do some tricks, I promise you. And, and I think that he loves being under the radar, too. It's one of the, the benefits come this time of year. But you know, the thing that, that I want to say it scares me, but it freaks me out a little bit, is the way that I figure this playoff thing is going to go. Seattle's going to be back in town in, yeah. in two weeks. And, man, you guys play – you know this. You play a third game against division opponent in – Literally anything can happen, and there's no surprises. Both teams know each other. Seahawks will be a little bit more healthied up. Um, I hate that matchup for us. Um, and then, and then, why once we? Uh, you know what? Because I just think Pete Carroll has a great way with with that team, and I've counted these guys out so many darn times, <laughs> and they're still standing, and it just drives me crazy. Uh, but I think we'll get by them, and then I think we're going to have the Saints waiting for us 
uh, to come on in. And that's me. Look at that. Those are two tough home games again. Now we've done it this year, but here come the Seahawks, here come the saints and they ain't messing around. And so we're going to have to be our best. If we're going to be in the Super Bowl this year, we're going to earn it. I think I, I think we are going to be, but man, it's not like we're going to have any, uh, you know, walkover games in the first round or two. No, it's not supposed to be easy, but this feels particularly hard. <laughs> Man, it does. It's just the way that the seating's worked out. I mean, and exhausting. I, by the way, do you think, just listening to you talk, do you um, do you think Jimmy can be an MVP quarterback? So I certainly think he has the capabilities. And, and you guys know this. What you have to have is you have to have um, – you have to have other assets. And the big thing this year was we saw George Kittle emerge last year, and George Kittle's been a beast this year. But we had to have other people step up. And, and when we traded for Emmanuel Sanders, that actually separated our team from everybody else because people had to account for Emmanuel. Now, he hasn't always turned in a monster game, but he's going to always turn in the fact that people have to account for him. And I think a lot of people don't understand the accounting side of the equation when you're talking about defense. So what does that do? That singles up Debo Samuel, who has become a physical presence as a rookie. What a heck of a draft pick he looks like right now. And he's, you know, from games, from games 10 to, to 16, the guy's just been a stud and you can see what the confidence has done with him gaining confidence week in and week out. He is such a different player than he was early on in the season. So if you have the weapons like that and you have Raheem Mostert, who, I mean, who would have thought at the beginning of the season, you know, I'm, I'm a big Tevin Coleman guy. I watched him a lot with the Falcons. I'm like, God, this guy's a stud. And, and I saw Breda play last year and he was a stud too. And like, man, they just keep putting guys in there. And, and that speaks the offensive line. They've been consistent. We've been banged up a little bit this year. But you start putting all those things together, and, and yeah, Jimmy G can be a MVP in the next couple of years. I Absolutely, he has the capabilities. Have they turned him loose for throwing the ball 40 times a game? No, because we got a run game. But, you know, these other teams that, <laughs> that let their quarterbacks, you know, throw 35, 45 times a game, I don't know that that's going to ever be – Kyle with this line and with this group of running backs, but that doesn't mean he can't win the MVP. You get a chance to see the clip of uh, Joe Staley running off the field in tears. Didn't love it. Yeah. Old school guy. And, and I get it because I think one thing that you don't really get when you're a younger player or even in the middle of your career, you think every guy thinks he's going to play forever, which, which sounds crazy. But it's true. Every guy thinks he's going to play forever. And I think the older you get and the, the more injuries you deal with, all of a sudden you start to realize, wow, I'm mortal. This, you never know when your last ride is going to be. And I think probably the emotion of that and the injuries and the fact that he's been on one of the worst teams in the NFL for the last five years probably all came together. And you, it's so darn tough. You just never know. And so I think it was all spilling over into the emotion and just saying, hey, it's great to be back here. Didn't know that I'd ever be here again. It was like the football gods, you know, threw the Niners a bone last night to stop them on that half-inch line. I mean, Holy it, crap. I still can't believe that tackle. <laughs> oh, my I mean, God. That, that, there's not a soul in, in a 60-mile radius around here that thought they were going to win. 
I mean, I didn't. I had, and no, how could you? You know, they were driving. It was over. And then it wasn't. It was over. That was a, a legendary tackle. And I know everyone's talking about the bun stop. And it was very, very similar to get a perfect hit up high and drive the guy back. I mean, there was no momentum going forward. And what a, what a, what a great play by a great young player. And, and, uh, you think that play could be the difference between this team going to the Super Bowl or, or going to Philadelphia and catching the Eagles in a bad weather game and, Man, I'm glad we're not doing that crap. It sounds miserable. By the way, hopefully January 16th, you're up there on the stage with Matt, and you're talking about the uh, NFC Championship game around the corner. I mean, I can hardly wait. That's my plan, fellas. Just one win away. I mean, it's not that far. <laughs> just one win away. Yeah, just, it's just one win. <laughs> 60 minutes. There we go. All right, Brent. Good to talk to you, man. Thanks, Brent. Appreciate it. Fellas, it was fun. Thanks. Appreciate it. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.